Welcome to Warriors Off Court, the San Francisco Chronicles NBA podcast. I'm your host, Warriors beat writer, Connor Letourneau, and as always, I'm joined today by my boss, assistant sports editor, and former Warriors beat writer, Janie Pugh. Our guests today are rookie Jordan Bell and assistant coach Bruce Frazier, who shed some light on how Stephen Curry is rehabbing from his sprained right ankle. So we're here Friday afternoon in the San Francisco Chronicle newsroom. And the interesting thing about the Warriors is that from the outside, they seem monotonously monotonous, right? Because they're winning all the time. Even with Steph Curry out, they're nine and one. Um, They they continue to to rise in in the standings. Last I checked, they were finally number one in the Western Conference ahead of Houston, which has been phenomenal this season. But even though they're they're almost boring in how how they they go out and have the same result game after game after game, there's never a shortage of storylines with this team, which is why I love covering them. Um, there's you know, and there's always an interest there because people want to know what's going on with Javale McGee, who as of this moment is probably you know the thirteenth man on the roster, um, and Javale McGee is an interesting story to me because he was. Uh, the feel-good storyline of this season last season. He was almost out of the league. Um, His career was completely on life support because of a slow healing leg injury and something called shacked in a fool. I don't know if you guys uh, remember that, but um, he's well known for his – his absent-minded follies, as I have often called them, you know, that have ended up on bloopers. Um, But he ended up kind of remaking his image last season, becoming a really nice contributor off off the bench as kind of an instant energy big man. And this season has been really the opposite of that. He's had a tough time getting minutes. Um, He's fallen out of the rotation. And a lot of that has to do with uh, the 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 way the league is training towards small ball lineups. Um the league has completely transformed. I mean, yes, you saw that kind of progressing over the last few years. I think it really got into hyperspeed uh, after uh Andre Iguodala started the 2015 finals and that quote-unquote death lineup just dominated those final few games against against the Cavs in the finals. Um but it's gone from that kind of being a trend to that being the way the league is in one off season. What, what have you thought about the way the league is trending in that way? Well, I think a lot of Warriors fans are going to remember Don Nelson and his small ball lineups. He put the, in a lot of ways, the five best athletes on the court. He didn't really have use for that big stiff, so to speak, right? And, um, you know, playing point Dirk Nowitzki, point forward, that sort. It's the the versatility that those bigger guys that are skilled offer in terms of spreading the court, finding guys, and moving the ball. Um, that's the way that Don Nelson envisioned it. It's a lot of fun to watch. That's the way now that the NBA has just moved. Yeah, no, and it, and Zaza Pachulia, who is in his 14th season in the NBA, said that he's never seen more of a transformation in just the style of play from one season to another. Um, it seems like every team is either going small or they have 
a center who's kind of a stretch five, um, a guy like a Porzingis, a guy like an Anthony Davis who can go out to the perimeter and, and can be both an inside and outside threat, which puts a lot of pressure on the guy guarding him because he has to be able to defend the interior and defend the perimeter, which is not easy to do. The guys who historically are great interior defenders, their skill sets do not translate to being good perimeter defenders. An example of that being Zaza Pachulia, he's not your stereotypical uh, rim protector, but he's a really good, you know, big-bodied, ground-bound interior defender, a guy who can match up a good seven-foot center any day of the week. But he can't go out to the three-point line and defend a Kevin Love. And it was interesting, you know, a lot a lot of a lot of things happened on that Christmas Day game obviously. And I'm sure we'll get into some of that later, but one of the most interesting things to me was that was Zaza's first game back healthy from a lingering shoulder injury where he'd missed a good eight games and he was finally healthy and you thought he was going to go back into that starting lineup. And not only did he not go back into the starting lineup, but he did not play. And this is a guy who every game he had been available in his season plus with the Warriors had started, not just played, but started and did not play. And neither did JaVale McGee in that game. And the guy who got a lot of minutes is Jordan Bell, who we have talked a lot about this season. Absolutely. Um, look, they're, the Warriors are caught in this, uh, or I should say not the Warriors, JaVale and Zaza are caught in a number situation here. Um, they fundamentally, I think, have a different style of game than a guy like Jordan Bell. They can they can bring the energy off of the bench, but in terms of the physical athletic ability, um, it, the, you know, Jordan Bell track star <laughs> could right. have been a track star. It's just different. Um, the mobility that he brings and, um, it's, you know, we talked about this, I believe last week in terms of you could foresee a situation where all of these guys are on, or the Warriors had it on one year contracts that we could have a situation where we would see Jordan Bell starting. Right, and the, the Steve Kerr's in a weird spot right now, and I find it kind of fascinating because you see Jordan Bell becoming the guy, and mm-hmm. Jordan Bell, you know, has played phenomenally, has impressed in a lot of different ways this season as a second round pick rookie, um, and a lot of the reasons he's he's had such a smooth transition is because he's the prototypical small ball five he's the prototypical center for this era of the nba what he does fits this style perfectly he can guard all five positions he can go out to the perimeter he can also block shots around the rim you saw you've seen him block shots out on along the perimeter which isn't something you see power forward slash centers do very often um and his offensive game also is it fits fits that style really well he runs he runs the floor he catches lobs. Um, and so it's pretty clear to anyone who's watching this team that he, in a lot of ways, should be their starting center. Um, and he did start that Christmas game. And Steve has said that Petrulia is going to continue to start the vast majority of the games. And I think there's a couple reasons for that. I think, I think part of it is that he knows that it's going to be tough to find Zaza minutes if he's not starting because then he's going to have to reorder his entire rotation. If Zaza's not starting the first seven minutes of the first quarter and the third quarters, when else is he going to play? Because you already like your second unit with David West. You already like 
you know, the minutes that you're finding those other big men. So you'd have to overhaul the entire rotation, which isn't necessarily something you want to do when you're, you know, at the top of the Western Conference standings right now and very much within reach of that number one overall seat. Well, this was the question at the beginning of the season. How are you going to find minutes? Because this is a team that really is 12, 13 players deep. These guys could be starting on most other NBA teams. Um, What is going to be interesting to me going forward is how can you keep everybody happy? There's already been some, you know, trade rumors out there involving JaVale McGee. Um, Maybe he's feeling like he's not getting enough minutes here. But the Warriors were built on... Uh, you know, even attracting the free agents that they did to come here, this idea that you're playing within the system, right? Um, We'll use you as we need to be used to fit into the system. Well, what happens when that means, you know, guys coming here knowing oftentimes that they're going to take a decreased role, but when that comes into practice, or when that idea becomes reality, feelings get hurt yeah and i wrote about this a couple days ago it's kind of interesting to me because these guys zaza and javel zaza's had a very productive long nba career javel's had his moments and he obviously is coming off a really good season and they're fighting to stay relevant and the the tough part about it is what are they supposed to do they can't change who they are i mean yeah they're gonna try to guard guys along the perimeter and get better at that skill but Jordan Bell is always going to be better at guarding the perimeter than they are just because of his skill set and who he is. So they're kind of in a lose-lose situation from that standpoint. Well, and you also remember that these are guys that, in a sense, took pay cuts. They gave the Warriors a sweet deal um, being here on um, you know, their respective minimum contracts. And it, it, it may be a situation where you know, JaVale, for instance, coming back on the, um, I think he's got a one-year veteran minimum contract, right? And he saw all of the, and he, he was, like you said, the feel-good story coming out of last season. And he saw everybody down the line almost get paid. Yeah. And so you know, um, from Steph to Andre and Sean uh, Livingston pulling in the money, and then he's, he's sitting there looking like, hey, you know, yeah, you me? can't blame him for being frustrated because, you know, he and I think a lot of it goes back to that that offseason where he thought he was going to get paid by someone and he didn't. And I think that's just because he has a track record out there and people kind of looked at his numbers and looked at what he did last season more as a byproduct of who he's around. Oh, yeah, sure. You looked good playing along the best players in the world. They make everyone look good. Right. You know, which. Which there's a fair argument there. You look at these these good bench guys the Warriors have had. When they've left the Warriors, they haven't really done much. I mean, Ian Clark's not really playing much for New Orleans right now. Mo Spates hasn't really done much since he left. Brandon Rush, Leandro Barbosa, like, and Omer Caspi looks phenomenal right now. But if he was on another team, would he look phenomenal? I don't know because he's in a perfect situation right now, which speak which is a credit to the Warriors. But what all I'm saying here is that I understand what's going on from both sides and JaVale the 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 thing you got to give him credit for is he's he hasn't been a problem okay he hasn't been a locker room cancer he's not pouting you know he's he's understand I talked to him last week and he said look I'm frustrated I'm not playing sure of course I want to play I'm competitive but I'm on the best team in the league and 
after everything he's been through in his career, that's a good spot to be in. Right. Let me tell you, all professional athletes are frustrated when they're not playing. Right. I mean, <laughs> as I would be frustrated if, for whatever reason, you told me to stop. Right. I mean, we have this. Let's not get too much into this. But if you're like, take a couple of days off, I get frustrated because I have like this desire to write all the time and i'm sure they feel the same way about their playing you know i mean it's it's like you're you're inherently competitive when you're passionate about what you're doing and so um it's gonna be interesting to see what happens here because i as i confirmed a couple days ago uh the warriors are open to to trading javel now that it means exactly what i say it's it's open to it they're not actively shopping him but they, if someone calls, obviously it's not a Kevin Durant situation. If you call and you ask to trade for Kevin Durant, you're going to say no pretty quickly. If you call to ask to trade to trade for JaVale McGee, you're going to listen to what they have to say. Um, and the reality is that's just because they have too many centers. They have six centers if you count Damian Jones, who's in the G League. And as we talked about, the league is trending towards small wall lineups, so it just doesn't make sense. So. They would want to use that that roster spot probably on a guard. Um, I think they would probably use it on Quinn Cook, who's been great in, in a two on a two way contract. I think he's proven that he's an NBA player, um, and I don't think at this time of the season they're going to find a better guard than him on the open market. So um, it would just make sense to maybe trade Javale for like a second round pick. You know, it doesn't even need to be 2018. It could be a 2019, 2020 future asset. Because we know how they I, do in the second I round. I was just going to say, <laughs> that's like a gold mine for the Warriors. The question is, does anyone want to look silly enough to trade the Warriors a second round pick? Uh, especially Milwaukee, who's been talked about. And they are the team that uh, they are the team that gave up Patrick McCaw last season for $2.4 million, which wasn't even the max they could have gotten money-wise for him. Um, so it, it's going to be interesting. Obviously, this isn't a make or break thing. We're talking about the 13th roster spot here, but everything with the Warriors seems to be much, much debated and much talked about. And one thing I've learned in the short time I've covered this league is anytime you hear a trade rumor, you hear a trade rumor, people freak out. Even if it's a JaVale McGee or it's a Damian Jones or what have you, people love just the speculation. Do you remember last season? when there was that rumor floating around by a Brian Scalabrini uh, who, who, who reported in a radio interview that he was hearing uh, Clay Thompson might be traded to Boston. And that just blew up. <laughs> I, <laughs> and that was based in almost nothing, but our giants beat writer, Henry Shulman was just sitting in your seat yesterday and we were doing a giants podcast and we were just talking about how the, the, the Twitterati and the social media has just fueled that entire Twitterati. Twitterati. What is know? that? That's a new word. <laughs> I like that. Just the, the demand for what are you hearing? Tell me, tell me, tell me. It doesn't, you know, they, 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 we, the fan base now is so involved and there's so many articles they can read and podcasts that they can listen to that they it's the thirst for just the idea of what's being talked about what rumors are out there what trade is possible it's it is not uh you know uh, it, it's like a job in itself <laughs> right 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 and like i said this isn't going to be something that makes or breaks them but um anything you can do to to even out your roster over the course of a season you're going to do and that and I'm I'm pretty confident that we will see JaVale traded by the by February by the trade deadline. Um but as we've as we mentioned earlier, Jordan Bell, the biggest reason we're having this conversation is Jordan Bell is comp- continuing to impress. He 
it seems like every single time he steps on the court, he has some sports center worthy highlights. Like he, he's been amazing and he, he's had plenty of rookie mistakes that he's made, but he's just such a freak athlete that he makes up for them. And, uh, I got the chance to catch up with him after practice a couple days ago. Uh, this was our, uh, our conversation. Is it is it exceeded your expectations? Just how quickly things have, have come together, or is it kind of? Were you confident that, given the opportunity, you could make this type of contribution? Uh, I don't really. Have, I didn't really uh, set any expectations. I just came in, and wanted to play my best. Um, so I didn't. Yeah, I didn't really have a like time statistic or uh, how many starts or how many points or anything like that. It seems like. You have a really nice balance of confidence, but also an awareness of the fact that you're a rookie. Yeah. Um, are you reminded pretty often that, that you're a rookie? Yeah, uh, I mean, everybody's always helping me out a lot. Um, obviously, I make a lot of uh, rookie mistakes uh, throughout the game, but I'm, I'm, I'm reminded by that type of thing. Um, Steve said the you know obviously you started the Christmas Day game and mm-hmm. Steve said that it's gonna be a matchup thing. So yeah. are you expecting to start against smaller lineups going forward, or has he given you any indication? I'll just go out there and play whatever. He, he <laughs> you're not really he, worried he, about. He changes it up so much, you never know. So, yeah. Is it incur- is it more encouraging the fact that you've been on on the court late in games than the fact that you've been starting those? Is that yeah, what you care more yeah, about? Yeah, I don't really care about starting. All I care about is uh, finishing games and just, uh, having a good game. How was that Christmas game? Obviously, you've had a lot of welcome to the NBA moments, but to start on Christmas against yeah. LeBron, was that another moment <laughs> that uh, you can kind of add to the Rolodex? No, nah, I wouldn't say it was like welcome to my NBA moment. It was it was a cool game to play in, though, definitely. You know, growing up watching the Christmas games and going against your favorite player growing up, it's definitely a fun moment. Um, is is being – there's obviously this is a really good rookie class, but I've, I've gotten questions of – or could he be second team, all rookie, that type of thing? Have you, is that something you, that's a goal of yours? Have you even thought about that? I don't, look, I don't care about that stuff. <laughs> I just care about winning. Yeah. And uh, what? Who? Who's been the biggest mentor for you so far? Obviously, we've talked in the past about Draymond, mm-hmm. but I know Durant's been there. Durant, Zaza, uh, and those guys. Pretty much here. everybody. Uh, Zaza was the first one here with me in the summer, so you met a lot. Draymond, obviously, K. He's always talking to me during the game. Andre, same. D. West. Uh, JaVale, uh, pretty much everybody. Yeah. What, what are you, what, what's the biggest thing you're working on right now? Uh, uh, working out of the pick and roll, being more uh, aggressive, uh, going to the basket, making myself a threat before looking at pass. Obviously, I'm sure you have an awareness of like, everything you need to do and everything you need to work on, but uh-huh. is it encouraging that you st- you know you have a lot to work on and yet here you are playing significant minutes yeah, for a championship yeah, team? Yeah, shows that I'm you know, I got stuff to work on. I'm still good enough to still be able to compete out there. Um, what, what what's been your favorite moment so far? Like when you uh, look back on the first third of your rookie season? Probably. Uh, I don't know. It's winning. <laughs> <laughs> Just winning. Yeah, winning's been my favorite moment. Um, do you, do you still, we talked in the past about some of your rookie responsibilities. I know you had to carry the poker chips right on the plane. Do you still have to do that stuff? Yeah, I still got to do that stuff. It's, that's about it. They don't make them do too much over here. Um, and you've had a, you've gotten a lot of, you've, you have a lot of people in your ear. Like, if, if you ever make a mistake, I remember the Lakers game, you, like, bit on a pump fake. And it's, you had Draymond, uh, yeah. Coach, Jaron Collins, all those guys on you mm-hmm. right away. What's that like, just having so much attention internally on you from moment to moment? Uh, it's encouraging. You know, obviously, if they're talking to me, they know 
um, they know they can see a bright future, something they can work with. So when people are trying to talk to me, coach me up, I know it's because they have faith in me. Yeah, is it when when they bought you know your rights? Was that what meant the most to you? Just the fact that they actually were cared enough about you to uh, spend money on you. I mean, it's one thing to take a second round flyer on a guy, yeah. but to spend three point five million on him shows yeah. a certain level. Yeah, especially as coming off a championship run a uh, year before winning uh, most games ever in one season. So it's definitely felt good what they wanted me. Do you do you feel completely comfortable playing center at this level? Oh yeah, I feel comfortable just playing basketball. I mean. It's all the same thing, put the ball in the basket, defend. Did you play much five in high school or, or college? Yeah, I, I started at the five in high school and college. Okay. But obviously people weren't as big. I was the tallest I played, but it's a little different now. Do you think that – is there an awareness of the fact that you kind of came into the league at the perfect time? I mean, it's, it seems like the way the league is going, more small ball, your skill set mm-hmm. is even more valued than it would have been like five, six years ago. Uh. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it's still basketball, whether it was 10 years ago, 20 years ago. So I think if I was playing a long time ago, I still would have been able to be effective. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, I appreciate it. Have a good one. So, Janie, as you can tell, he's not necessarily a man of many words, but uh, I think I think that's part of why the Warriors like him uh, because he, he, he balances his confidence and his swagger uh, with – an awareness of the fact that he's a rookie, an awareness of his role on this team. Um, he's even though he's started games and he's playing a lot as a second round pick, uh, no one thinks that he's getting a big head. Right, and I liked what he said about um, when, when you asked him what his favorite thing has been. He said winning, and winning really does cure a lot of ills, and it, and it covers up a lot of things too. Right, and you look at his his career going back to high school um, and he has won everywhere he's been his high school team. He was at long beach poly, which is kind of a powerhouse football program, but they've had some good years in basketball as well. Uh, They made it really far in the state tournament every year. He was on varsity. Um, And then at Oregon, uh, they steadily built every year. He was there. They went from the sweet 16 to the elite eight to his junior year, making the final four. And, I talked to his his really good friend slash mentor, um, who was his high school coach Sharif Montoya recently uh, before a game, and he said that when he was talking to teams about Jordan entering the draft, they asked him, you know, what does he bring to the table, and he said he brings winning. I mean, he bring he understands winning plays, which is a cliche, but it's a real thing. I mean, he understands how to make the right play that's going to put you in a position to win games, and that's what you've seen this season, even though he's still very much figuring out the warrior system and figuring out the personnel around him, he, he helps put them in a position to win games. And obviously that's what the warriors are all about. So he's been, he's been a revelation to me. Uh, maybe he shouldn't have been, maybe I should have expected more. Um, maybe everyone should have, because there were 37, uh, well, not 37 teams. There's only 30 teams in the league, but he he heard 37 names called before his on draft night and he is actually in a position which sounds crazy right now but he's in a position to potentially be second team all rookie which is crazy considering how deep this rookie class is i mean you have Kyle Kuzma, Lonzo Ball, uh Ben Simmons, you know, uh Mitchell, Donovan Mitchell from Utah, all those guys are putting up big numbers but if you're talking about just 
contributions to winning teams, he's right up there in the conversation. So, um, you know, the Warriors are obviously giddy with what he's brought to the table. And I'm curious to see not just how he reacts, but how everyone responds to the return of Steph Curry. Uh, Obviously, that's been the big storyline hanging over this team now for three plus weeks since he went down with that with that ankle injury in New Orleans. And the Warriors have been great in his absence. Obviously, they've gone 9-1. and one. Um, And you look at how they've won these games, and they've changed their approach a little bit. I mean, mo- before he got injured, they were kind of rounding into form defensively. This is a team that the past five years, they've been in the top five of defensive rating in the league. Um, and they got off to kind of a rough start defensively, and then were kind of hitting their stride when he went out. But since he's been out, they've been elite defensively. They've been the number one defense in the league. Um, and I talked to a couple guys recently, Ron Adams, obviously their defensive guru, talked to him after practice today. And he basically said that it goes to a meeting that they had right after Steph went out. It was the morning of that Charlotte game. And, and basically he said, okay, we're not going to be the offensive team that we were with Steph because not only does Steph average 26 points per game, but he is a force for them offensively. He Everything they do is predicated on what he can do. Um, so they're going to have to pick up the slack defensively, and that's exactly what they've done. You look at – we've talked a lot about what Durant did in, in Curry's absence, but you look at it, and, Curry, and Durant was elite the first five games that 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 Curry missed. He was elite offensively. But since – in those those five games since, his, his offensive production has gone down a little bit. He's missed some shots, but he's continued to bring it defensively. And one thing I'm curious – about is do you think he has a real case for defensive player of the year? I mean, I feel weird even asking that because this is a guy who's four-time scoring champion, but do you think he could be defensive player of the year? I think he could. Didn't uh, you ask Draymond and uh, Draymond said he'd get, he'd give KD his vote. <laughs> I mean, and I, I pretend to know a lot about basketball, but uh, Draymond does know a lot about <laughs> basketball. And if he is saying that uh, KD should be, should be the defensive player of the year. I'm going to trust him on that. Well, I'll tell you what. I think Kevin Durant is is a good example of, as a whole, the Warriors are so good offensively that their defense is often overlooked, certainly during this champion stretch of theirs, too. Um, And... But you look at the numbers, and they are leading the league by far in block shots. They are holding the opponents to the lowest field goal percentage, I believe, in the entire league. They play pretty darn good defense. Yeah, no, and I mean, this is a guy who has never been known as really a rim protector. He showed glimpses of that last season with, you know, Bogut and Azili gone. They needed someone to step up as that rim protector, and he averaged a career high in blocks last season. But now he's second in the league in blocks behind Miles Turner of Indiana. Um, he's averaging well over two blocks. The war the Warriors as a team are on pace. Last I checked, they were on pace to match the all time record in blocks per game, eight point seven. There hasn't been a team that's averaged over seven blocks per game in five years. Yeah. So that's pretty incredible. And he's he's been the biggest reason for that. But it's not just his blocks. If you're really paying attention to his defense, he's become a really good help side defender. He's done all the little things that it takes to be a well-rounded defender. And I think the biggest thing is with Durant, you've always seen the potential for him to be an elite defender. I mean, he's got a crazy wingspan. He's got 
the physical tools. It's just he's focused so much on his offensive game that understandably his his focus has waned at times on the defensive end. He just doesn't bring it, hasn't brought it every night on that side of the ball. But this season's been different. I feel like he hasn't had a bad defensive game. He's been bringing it every single night. There's no doubt in my mind he will be all defensive team. I mean, we're still early, I know, but he's on pace to be all defensive team for the first time in his career. And I was writing the other day about this, and I was like, who else is in the conversation to be defensive player of the year? I don't even know. I can't think of anyone because the other the other guys who are known as being in that conversation annually, Draymond Green, Kawhi Leonard, um, Rudy Gobert, all of them have had, been out significant right. time this season with injuries. So they're not – they can't – realistically be in that conversation and the fact that i can't even think of anyone else that cover the league on a daily basis so i've talked to other people and they can't even give me names i mean andre roberson i don't know i mean i'm just thinking of good defenders but there isn't anyone that comes to mind and that to me tells you just tells you all you need to know about the fact that he's a front runner because he's the only one who's even being mentioned right now so if he was defensive player of the year this season that would be in my opinion the most impressive thing on his resume because yes, we already know he's an elite scorer, but to do that and one defensive player of the year, I want to look this up. How many four time scoring champions have been defensive player of the year? I don't know the answer to that. My guess is zero, but I could be wrong. Um, but that's, that, that'd be impressive. Yeah, it is. It's since Steph has gone out, it has really been um, just entertaining and, educational to watch Kevin Durant play no definitely definitely and and so the big question right now is when is Steph going to come back and we know he's not going to play tonight um against Charlotte uh there was some hope that he'd get back and play his hometown team at least once last season because obviously the first game he missed was against Charlotte at Charlotte uh and that won't will not be happening but he's very much on track to to play tomorrow against against Memphis and the reason they didn't bring him back they aren't going to bring him back tonight is because when you're easing a guy back into the rotation after being out a while with an injury it's just not smart to have him play a back-to-back and if you're going to give a guy a rest it makes more sense to give him a rest on the front end of a back-to-back rather than the back the back end because that's just it kind of messes with his rhythm a little bit so um I fully expect him to be back tomorrow uh if everything's going well he's scrimmaged twice now uh, he scrimmaged behind a curtain we walked in and there was this huge curtain up in the practice facility because we couldn't you know far be it for us to actually see him scrimmage but uh i did catch up with bruce frazier uh er- earlier today and if you don't if you're not f- super familiar with bruce frazier he's their uh player development coach who specifically is tasked with working closely with Steph. Most of these guys have specific assistant coaches that they work closely with. And the past three plus seasons, uh, his Steph's guy has been Bruce. Bruce goes on the road with him in the off season. He's basically his personal shooting coach. And he gave some really good insight on how Steph has recovered from that sprained ankle. He's he's been antsy to get back. Killed him not to play on Christmas. You know, he was, I think the whole thing's been disappointing just in the way he got injured. Yeah. play that he probably didn't need to make and one of those misfortunes. So I think that he loves playing coupled with the fact that it was a fluke, a fluke thing. You know, I think he's just he's ready to get back and start playing. Yeah. So he's, he's, he looks good. And 
I mean, there's, you know, talk is that he's going to play tomorrow. I don't know right, if that's... Right, right. I, I'm guessing he will, but that's not been decided. Yeah. I, I, obviously, you guys have been cautious with him for good reason, but do you think do you think he's been understanding of why you guys have been cautious? Or? Oh, yeah. Yeah. He knows his body. He knows... He's, I think he's realistic. This, he's, you know, he's mature now. I don't know how many years he's played. Right. But he's, he knows his body. He knows how the league works. He hasn't. He was really hoping to play on Christmas Day, but once he knew he couldn't, not, that was his, I think, our training staff and collectively their, their decision. He knows what's best for him. Yeah. No reason to rush. So the Christmas was kind of his goal when he first got injured? I think so. Yeah, yeah. He didn't say that out loud, right. so I can't. But I you, can't can, you know him well him, enough to, like. I know how he is. He loves those big games. Right. He loves, like, he loves, one, he loves playing the game, so it's not all about him, and two, right. he loves the big games. Right. Christmas Day, you know, all of his whole family's in town. He, he wants to play. Right. I think that was a disappointment for him when he, when he realized he couldn't play him that day. Right. But it wasn't like, okay, let's push it back even longer. I think you know, second to the Christmas game goal, I think he just wanted to get back as soon as he could without without being like honest with himself on where he was. He knows he knows his own pain. He knows what's happening. He's been honest about how that is for him. So, right. you know, this isn't like this isn't. Obviously, they're, they're cautious, but I wouldn't say it's an overly cautious thing. I just think they're being smart. Right, right. You know, they know stuff. He knows, he knows himself. They can be very smart about how they... Chelsea's really good, you know, treating. She knows him really well by now after being with him for a few years. And so... Do you... Do you, uh... Do you, do you see the benefits already of him kind of taking some time away midseason? Like, do you think he's going to come back fresher, and do you think this is going to be a good thing, you know, come playoff time? That would be the, the half-full, yeah, yeah. fast half-full answer, and I would say that's actually an honest take on it, but I, I have not, you know, I feel like he's in a, he's in a good mood, and yeah. he, he seems rested. That's good, right? Right. It's really hard to say... This better, do, we, do I see the benefits already? He hasn't played. Right. And his personality has such a, such a good, fun personality anyway. Right. He's always pretty upbeat, right? Right. But I would say that this rest is not bad. Yeah. Is he going to be a little rusty when he comes back? Possibly. Yeah. And is he going to be moving as well as he was? Probably not right away. Right. He did make... 94 out of 100 threes two days ago. Two days ago, so today is Friday, so Wednesday? Yeah. Wow. You said 90 what? 94. Wow. And I would say, like, for him, that's a really good number. I'm not saying it's his best. Right. Six is his best ever. But 94 basically shows you that he's in good rhythm. That's crazy. He's, he's shooting well. You know, you can't just, you can't base, oh, he steps back on a 94. You can't say that. Right. Because he has to go up and down. There's stamina involved. Right. There's force and exertion on, the, on his ankles. There's things that exist in a game that don't exist in spot shooting. Right. But if you're going to just say, is his ankle and is his body flowing well in a shooting 
motion, yes. Yeah. 94 out of 100. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can't, you can't be doing that unless you feel you gotta pretty You got to be easy. feeling better, right? Yeah. You can't, you can't do that on one leg. Right, right. So Janie, as you as you can as you can see there, that's why I always go to Bruce whenever I'm writing a Steph Curry story because he provides great insight. Uh, he knows Steph as well as anyone in the Warriors organization. He hangs out with him on and off the court. He knows how he thinks. He probably knows Steph as well as Steph knows himself in a lot of ways. And obviously, we're not allowed to talk to Steph while he's injured. So uh, Bruce has been a good person to get you know a gauge on on how he's handling everything and i everything you heard made a lot of sense the thing that obviously stuck out to me was 94 for 100 from three that is insane uh this is he shoots 100 three pointers after every practice and that that part of the practice is usually open to media so i've seen him do it many times he's normally in the 75 to 80 range his uh you know last year or two years ago sorry he hit 94 and hit 77 in a row and that was that went viral. That was a big deal at the time. And obviously his personal record being ninety six. The fact that he went ninety four while coming back from his injury, like he said, basketball is about more than standing and shooting, but that is a good sign. You have to feel good about that if you're a Warriors fan. I like the way you said, well, and I wouldn't say 94 is his best uh, performance as if you know anybody could go out there and make 94. Oh, imagine a guy <laughs> shooting 94% in the three-point contest, you know, at All-Star Weekend. That would be incredible. And uh, he does it all the time, which is why Steph is the best shooter of all time. I, I, I'm I'm confident not even couching that in a probably or arguably. I think he is statistically, you look at it, and he's the best long-range shooter in NBA history. The guy broke his own record four, three times, and, you know, he's shattered it many times. So there's no doubt about that. And this team is going to be better. People, I've gotten a lot of questions, and they're not even joking, from, from followers on Twitter. Um, so do you actually think they're going to be better with Steph Curry back? Because they're 9-1 right now. They're really good right now. They're playing really well. Guys, he's a two-time MVP. He's a four-time All-Star. He's a future Hall of Famer. Yes, they're going to be better with Steph Curry. You, should, you obviously feel good about how they're playing without him. It, I think it's going to be make, the, make them better uh, for the long run, the fact that they've had to go through this time without him, just like they were better for the long run last season when they had to go those five weeks without Durant in the lineup. But they are going to be a force to be reckoned with with a healthy Steph Curry, and especially uh, – I think I think this is going to be huge for Steph because this is a guy who, you know, his body, he knows his body as well as anyone, and he got a little ragged in, in the finals two years ago. I think he was a little worn down. He was still good in the finals last year, but the guy's been to the finals th- deep into June three years in a row trying to do it a fourth time. So this, this respite is going to be big for him. I completely agree with everything that you just said. (laughs) Um, You know, and we look back at last year with uh, Kevin Durant missing, I believe, those 19 games. And I, you know, I would even say for him, it probably helped in the finals, having had, you know, just given that body a little bit of a break. Definitely. So there's there's a lot to look forward to. There's going to be, we're nearing the end of a long homestand. I'm a little bummed about it. I've enjoyed the time home, Uh, you know, and we're going to be hitting the road pretty soon after this. Memphis game, they're hitting the road for at Dallas, at Houston, at LA. Uh, I'm, I'm, I don't want to give too much away, but there's going to be an interesting story dropping during that road trip that does not 
and to report that story, I will not be in any of those three cities. So it'll be a fun one. We'll be talking about that next week on the podcast. And for all your Warriors needs, stay locked and loaded with Warriors Off Court. This show is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Our theme music is Thank You for Playing by Ryan Little, courtesy of the Free Music Archive. This show is produced by me, Janie, and Fernando Diaz. For more Warriors coverage, you can follow me on Twitter at con underscore cron, C-O-N underscore C-H-R-O-N, and Janie Hugh at Janie underscore Hugh, J-A-N-N-Y underscore H-U. Check out all of our coverage at sfchronicle.com.